You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Gerza of Disability After Dark. You are listening to another episode of The Handicast, a podcast within Disability After Dark where I sit down with my co-founder of Handy and my sister, Heather Morrison, and we tell you all about our ventures in the sex tech industry, creating the first line of sex tech for and by disabled people with our new products at Handy. So let's get ready for a new episode right now of The Handicast. So, because we are a sex tech company that is working to create the first line of sex tech for and by disabled people, we thought it would be a great opportunity to sit down with somebody who works in the sex tech space to talk about how do we make sex tech more accessible, what is the future of sex tech for disabled people, and how does sex tech connect us to our humanity as disabled people and beyond that. So we sit down and talk today to one of the leaders in the space and the host of the Future of Sex podcast, Bryony Cole. There really is quite a lot to unpack in this episode. We talk about kind of her, how she runs sex tech hackathons all over the world where she sits in spaces with people and gives them a problem around sex tech and ways to solve it and how that can be used to help learn about ways to make sex tech more accessible. We talk about um, why sex tech is not just all about sex robots and VR, but also how sex robots and VR could be used to change the game for disabled people and to learn about the disabled body too. Uh, We talk about so many things around sex tech here. It was really nice to sit with Bryony in this space and have this discussion and bring the discussion of disability, sex tech, and handy to the forefront. So really excited for you to hear it. Here's episode six of The Handicast with our special guest, host of the Future of Sex podcast, an all-around awesome person, Bryony Cole, right here on The Handicast. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Gerza and Heather Morrison of The Handicast. This is The Handicast within the Disability After Dark podcast, all about sex, lust, disability, all the things. Um, And so we're here again doing a cool episode and we are so excited to have another guest today. So we want to introduce you to Bryony Cole, who is super cool and Bryony, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us all about you? Hi, guys. I'm Bryony. I am the founder of the Future of Sex podcast, and I also run a school for sex tech entrepreneurs called Sex Tech School and run sex tech hackathons, which are like innovation jams 
all over the world from Asia, Australia, where I'm from, to New York, where I've been living for the last eight years. And I am into all things sexuality and technology. That's so awesome. And you're doing, looking at your, your bio, and I did some research before we jumped on the, on the call just now, and you, you've done quite a lot in that space. And that's really yeah. great. Thank you. Yeah, d- d- dove in four years ago now, and um, it's been a wild ride and experience just even watching this industry that we call sex tech blossom, you know, and so yeah. many new things can happen in, in, you know, less than half a decade. It's a really, it's really blown up in a way that I don't think any of us were ready for. So that's, that's and it's really great that you're kind of at, you're right at the cusp and the forefront of all that. So that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. I, I love it. It's, it suits me just fine from my, my old life, which was much more focused in um, not boring tech, but tech that you'd use in the office. It's much more fun to talk about tech that you use for your own personal wellness, intimacy, protection, safety. Like sex is something that affects every single one of us. And I think that was, it felt so much more exciting to jump into sex tech and leave the old uh, enterprise software world behind me. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, it's come so far in four years. It's still really foreign to so many people. Like we've, we kind of are, I guess, part of the sort of surgence of it. Um, but when you talk to people about it, a lot of people are like, oh, sex tech, I've never even heard of that. It's, I didn't realize that was a thing. And meanwhile, it's one of the like biggest and fastest growing industries globally, um, which is just, yeah, shocking, especially considering that so many people um, do use it every, well, in some, in some form, use it every yeah. single day or, or would. Yeah, that's so true. I think more so now we see it in the media, don't we? The headlines, sex tech, or maybe sexual wellness is used mm-hmm. more often. Yeah. People don't realize they're using sex tech. Um, but it is this industry that's, that's growing at a phenomenal rate. And as we all know, because people struggle to talk about sex, um, they don't really know that much about sex tech and just assume, oh, you're talking about sex robots? I'm like, yeah. no, talking about something <laughs> way better. <laughs> Um, for, and so you, you run these hack, hackathons all over the world for pe- people who are listening who are like what's a hackathon what is all this can you kind of just very quickly break down what a hackathon is and how all that yeah. works yeah sure so a sex tech hackathon is essentially a two and a half day innovation jam event where we put a hundred people in a room we give them challenges around sexuality and technology and they have to form teams and aim to solve those challenges so um, it sounds very foreign or techy to people that have never been involved in sex tech hackathons before but it's actually a blast Um, it's just picture like going along to an event and meeting a bunch of new friends and working on different ideas that may be in sex education that may be to do with creating a new wearable that may be um, increasing sexual expression for people with disabilities. I mean, it's been so interesting to run them all over the world. So we've had them in Sydney, Melbourne, Singapore, and New York, and um, like a day session in Copenhagen. And everywhere you go, you know, there's this interesting cultural mix of different people. But because the sex tech hackathons are quite different to other tech hackathons in that we invite every single person in. You don't have to be a coder. Um, We have all different backgrounds, all different perspectives, um, all different ages and all different abilities under the one roof for two and a half days looking to solve problems. And, you know, you come up with... It's almost like a sexy... 
It's almost like a sexy UN. It's a sexy it's UN, like, okay? It's like, and we, sexy, it's like one of those sexy UN things where they like, it's a mock, it's a sexy mock UN. That's what it is. That's what I'm using in my new marketing. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> we create a sexy UN and um, it does look like that. You know, when you, when you look at the photos, there is um, a surprising number of women that attend. So we have, you know, 80 to 95% um, are people that identify as women attend, which is usually the opposite way and um, all ages and abilities. So it really, I think it's my way of democratizing in the industry that we know for the longest time, the sex industry has been uh, the capital at least has been concentrated in the hands of few. And that means that the innovation is also concentrated in the hands of few. So this has been a really fun way to just like get this sexy UN together to build products that they want. <laughs> Democratize the process. Um, and have you guys in like the new COVID reality, have you started to look at how to run these um, remotely? You know what? I have. I've been just like, Wondering about how you run a sex tech hackathon virtually and if people will stay engaged. I think this is the one thing we're all finding with um, this new pandemic is can you keep people together on Zoom and not get Zoom fatigued completely out, even if you're working on something? It's such a real thing, the Zoom fatigue. It's so real. It doesn't matter how sexy things are on Zoom. Like, at (laughs) some point. He's interludes, like, see if he's still paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, it's been been one of those ideas I'm toying with going, yeah, what can we do? Like, maybe we do need sexy interludes or something or breaks. Even even the Sex Sex School, which is a two-hour session, um, which both of you guys, I hope, are, are joining as guest lecturers that is a lot of time to be you know stuck to a screen so maybe it's going to take the form I think of like a mini pitch day I think that's that's the that's the move but we've got to still innovate even if we're stuck at home everyone still needs to have their ideas heard the thing is like right now it's probably a really interesting time because based on the data of what's being sold right now we know people are doing two things they're drinking and they're wanking <laughs> like the sex industry has massively exploded this quarter having its best quarter ever and so undoubtedly people have realized the gaps or the mm-hmm. things that they would want to see change and like it's such a great time to be working in this area because if, any, if anything it's actually opened up a lot of really interesting sort of insights and opportunities for us um so yeah, I wonder if that actually starts to end up like fueling it because you've got so much more time at home and time on your hands. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so there. true. Yeah, the the insights are so interesting. I think one of the things, the big things we talk about with sex tech out of COVID is people have suddenly realised how critical intimacy is, how critical like you know skin hunger is real, longing for to be touched is real. Seven months of no sex here, so. I- <laughs> Yeah, yep. like, and, yep. and when, as, you know, Cindy Gallup says, and she doesn't know when she's going to have it again, it's like, we now realize the importance of sex to our lives. And I think that's helped people talk about it too and change the cultural conversation. And people realize, yep. yeah, like sex robots aren't going to replace us. Like we do need touch and we do need yeah. that, that physical intimacy. And so, yeah, it's bringing new ideas, I think, about what sex tech actually is and can be. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, I think on that, if you um, need any help putting any of that together, we'd love to be, I'd love to be involved in figuring out how that looks. I think it's so cool. Yes. 
great. Well, yes, we've please. already been discussing Handy um, in our sex tech school as a very exciting example of some new sex tech that's kind of emerging in a place that doesn't exist, you know, and that, that needs to exist. So we're so excited to see everything happening. And yeah, it was funny. I was interviewed by um, someone on the, the news here last week about what they were seeing and we talked about Handy too. So you guys oh, are blowing up. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's exciting. Thank you. Uh, uh, so many people think that virtual reality, hologram porn, and all this kind of like out there futuristic sex stuff is the future of sex tech. Do you agree with that statement? And do you think that like the the, the next movement into sex tech is is like hologram porn and VR porn and and all and like sex robots like we've been joking about? Do you think that's really the next move forward? Yeah, I think as we were saying, everyone loves to think about the holograms and the robots and the VR porn as like the next big move. But for me, especially out of COVID, the next big move in sex tech is actually humans, right? It's all about the human experience and how technology can help that. Um, and, you know, use it as, as more as the vehicle or the tool to, to help us experience more of ourselves and get more personal agency over our sexuality. So I think more access to like things like sex education, which we know is a global issue, um, no matter your abilities, but as Andrew was saying on my podcast, especially um, with the disability community, that access to sex education, actually technology can be a great tool for that. Maybe not for the physical experience of sex with another person, but actually increasing our access to education. The internet is like, such, you know, that in, from the 90s has been transformative. So thinking about those big things in the future, like how will that transform our experience? And you know what? I am really excited about VR in that context. Like the VR experience of being able to, you know, put that headset on and, and talk to someone as if they're in the same room and they can tell you about, you know, STIs as a young kid man, I would have loved that to be able to ask those like intimate personal questions about stuff I had no idea about and certainly wasn't going to ask in class. I think my boyfriend and I were talking about how scary um, sex education was when we were growing up, like around STIs, like AIDS and things. It was just like, oh my God, we better not have sex because we're going to die. But you can... <laughs> You know, like that was kind of it. It was like, yeah, yeah you, you, you don't do it because you'll end up dead and you've got this. And you know what? Ironically, that conversation of we better not have sex because we're going to die is sort of how disabled people are still viewed in, in sexuality in that there's, it's only discussed in terms of risk aversion. So if yeah. you pair disability and sex together in sex ed, all you ever see is talk to your, talk to your disabled teen about sex because they could be abused. They could get an STI. They could get raped. They could, right. you know, and all of those things are possible, of course, but they've totally negated the fact that you could also have a pleasurable, great experience as a disabled person. And it's like, where, where's that? Where's that piece? Totally absent. Like talking about how it feels in your body, you know, like the pleasure that you experience, the sensations in your body. And I think that's where technology maybe could be really cool, right? If, yeah. if people still have a trouble explaining it to people or want to go down this like fear zone, could we, could we equip like VR technology or haptic technology where you can, you know, that sensation of skin and stuff is replicated to um, more demonstrate, you know, what, 
what it's like to be in your body, no matter what your ability is and what pleasure feels like. Like, I cannot believe that we still don't, you know, talk to kids and tell kids to masturbate and learn their own bodies before they go and explore someone else's. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting, like looking at sex tech as a way to um, sort of bridge some of the isolation that people are experiencing when it comes to um, feeling like they're alone in the communities, particularly when we think of people with um, who might have disabilities, like because sex ed is so lacking. Um, it's really interesting to think of technology as a way to bring that community together and sort of bridge that uh, feelings of isolation or that I'm in this by myself or that I'm, I'm the only one that feels like this um, and start to be able to increase education, but also a sense of community. Yeah. I mean, that's like, it's still, again, like we think about the nineties, like the chat forums and things, but that's why they were so great for people is like these anonymous communities where people could find each other no matter, you know, they could find their, their like, right. And we remember ASL. We remember IRL, yeah, ASL. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Um, ICL. I, yes. Yeah. I <laughs> We're getting old, dudes. We're getting old. Um, Someone pick up the phone. (laughs) Andrew, I'd be interested to hear your perspective maybe on like something I've been thinking about with voice-activated technologies. Like, you know, we have Siri and Alexa in the home. Like, are these things useful in the future? Like, if I'm thinking about sex education and those sort of conversations and the communities Heather was talking about, does that get much sort of... um, I guess, airplay within the disabled community? I think voice activation is still in a really, it's a great option if you have perfect diction. And I think a lot of people with disabilities who may be living with speech impediments or different types of disabilities where their speech may be more heavily affected, they don't super work great. I have pretty pretty okay diction and I can I can pronounce things okay but sometimes my my specificity makes it hard for me to do that if I'm yelling at Siri and she doesn't hear me like and I'm I meant to say turn on the light and I say like turn on the porn <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like oops a whole different kind of turn on <laughs> it's a good point I mean Siri even struggles with my Australian accent and I'm Australian so I get fed up with it but yeah like I'm sure there's been some massive Siri fails. Uh, but oh, yeah. yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's good to think through that stuff. And I think that for me is why it's so great at the hackathon is is having technologists in the room with people with lived experience to go, what do we think of this? Like, would a voice-controlled vibrator be useful? Um, and certainly for some populations it's not. But I think it's a, I think it would be a really cool idea, like if you could – especially with the teledildonic thing where you can have a, a sex toy that a partner is wearing and you can turn it on for them via your phone. That could be really cool for somebody who only has speech as their access point to turn on the toy. That could be really, really mm. awesome. And But I just don't know if you had less speed, like less ability to enunciate, that could be really... That's a great point. Yeah, <laughs> that, that could be suck. really problematic if you're trying to turn on your partner and you call your attendant by accident or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see a lot of hilarious YouTube videos coming out of that. Yes. <laughs> I guess it comes down to the importance of having options, right? Like 
because it's such a big spectrum of different disabilities and abilities and also preferences, um, like we've looked at pretty analog um, options and solves, but also with the knowledge that as technology advances, there's room to push into those because for some people, speech activated is excellent mm. uh, and it would be the best and most easy way for them to control things. So it's also like, how can we make sure that we give options across both of those? Yeah. And yeah. You, you, sorry, Andrew. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, it's, I think Heather raises like a good point as well. It's like sometimes analog, like, Sometimes analog's the best, right? Like we don't need to be sitting on the custom thinking about holograms if they're not, if like something super simple is going to be way better. Like yeah. to get swept up in the sexiness of the technology and thinking we need all the acronyms, the AI and the AR and the VR and things like sometimes it's actually just a tool that's super simple that's missing in all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, fully agree with that i also wanted to ask you i think that vr and the and the idea of a sex doll and the idea of sex robots like i did a podcast like a year and a half ago on like just by myself on like what i thought about sex robots and sex dolls and oh my god they're terrifying um yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying but i, I would listen to that <laughs> it was super scary and i won't i never want to see one again terrifying well, on your own well, you <laughs> tried one I have not tried one. I just I just was doing research and I was like, oh my God, because everything that I was seeing was like, oh, okay, these are really scary. Um, but I wonder though, if having, if using VR and using dolls and using holograms could also teach non-disabled people about the disabled experience if they've, for instance, if they want to hook up with a hot disabled person they know, but they've never done it before and they wanted to like pull up their VR hot disabled person and like learn on that doll or hologram do you think that would ever happen or do you think there's a way that really the quest that was just a broader question really the question was do you think that sex tech can be used to teach non-disabled people about disabled sex i love that example that you shared because you know vr is considered the empathy machine i think we've we've heard that a few times in the tech world is that it allows you to that experience to sit mentally in someone else's skin. And I think that's so cool. I never thought about it in, in that context. And this is why I love talking to you, um, come to the hackathon, uh, is, is those sorts of examples. And, you know, Chris Milk did this really interesting example very early on with VR. He's a filmmaker about, you know, what it's like to sit on the floor. It was a UN example um, in a, you know, impoverished nation with a mother and their daughter. And you sat in that and he showed it at the UN and everyone, you know, was crying that was there and was, you know, felt like they were really there. And I think that is the power of great technology like virtual reality is it's allowing you to sit in someone else's experience or experience what it's like without actually going through with it so yeah whether that's a hot disabled person and and wanting to know how that feels or um you know some fantasy that you have or even like a far out thing like i always talk about like what would be what would it be like to like have sex with the universe like what or like i don't know a giant unicorn thing like that's part of the beauty of the yeah, maybe not um the vr right is it you can sort of the there's there's sort of limitless capabilities there in terms of like the brain and the imagination and creativity that can be unleashed maybe for better or worse um that when i think about vr i think it's great so that's a really long way of saying yep i i do think 
those examples that you give, that's where it really does help us as a society to experience better sex. Well, I just think in that vein, like that way you're not saying something insensitive to the actual disabled person that you're wanting to spend time with. You can do all the insensitive stuff with the, with the VR. And then when you get the chance to actually be with that disabled person, you're not saying like, Hey, does your dick work? Hey, can you get it up? Like you can do all that. In the get all v- that out first. Yeah. In, in I wonder, VR. I wonder if it would also like increase the non-disabled person's creativity when it comes to their sexual experience um, and sort of what they do in the bedroom beyond that. Like having, I guess, Andrew, from your perspective, being disabled, I would imagine you, it pushes you to be more creative, think about things differently. Um, you might have experiences that are different. And I wonder if a disabled person, non-disabled person experiencing that reality through VR would actually take some of that creativity um, and new sensation back to their partners and back to their, um, like, back to their bedroom outside of the VR experience. I would hope so. I mean, that'd be, that, I've never thought of it that way. That would be really cool. And I, I would hope that they would, because I think that, yeah, if we, if we, if, if they can learn something that will change their worldview from that experience, I would hope they would take it back to their partners and make their yeah. sex better. Their partners are like, well, who have you been getting it on with? <laughs> yeah. Well, it it's kind of does that kind of begs a question with those sort of education in VR type things is you are getting quite, you could get quite practical experience rather than just like reading a textbook, watching yeah. a documentary and being like, Oh, that's someone else. Because you're in VR, it's this like weird blur of like, well, is it sex or like, am I practicing? And yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is a great thing. I think when you, it's like the more you practice sort of the be- the more comfortable you get with this stuff. Yeah. Um, hmm. It's a good. I know. There's a lot to like ponder and think about <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> oh, I just want to pause the podcast and just be like, let's, let's go, but we must forge on. But yeah. We must you, forge on. Yes. We- um, I wanted to ask you something because I've been struggling as a disabled person, sometimes with the idea of sex tech taking away my, like we, we, we were kind of talking about this a minute ago, sex tech taking away my opportunity as a disabled person to experience real touch and real physical intimacy as a disabled person. Do you, as like one of the leading people in this space, have tips on how sex tech can enhance physical intimacy for me as a disabled person? Yeah, I think the the first thing is, knowing that sex tech is is meant to be additive to your sexuality and your experience of intimacy. It's not meant to be an entire replacement. And I think that's the, that's the big fear with any technology, right? It's going to replace humans. The sex robot's going to replace my girlfriend or my boyfriend, which, you know, for some people is good, but I'm going to be replaced. <laughs> is ultimately what we we deeply fear is like t- technology is replacing all these things that we the so robots are going to take me over and then the world's going to end and then it's yeah. the start of the apocalypse yeah, yeah yeah and isn't that sort of like we should be examining our own relationship to technology rather than uh, saying to technology hey stop replacing stuff it's like well if sex sex going to be additive to my sex life whether that's a wearable or you know um a toy or a vr or you know even just using the internet like examining your own relationship with sex tech and rather than sort of being a slave to the technologies, my general 
advice there. It's meant to make you feel good, you know, and it's not meant to, you know, I guess I'm curious to know what elements do you think sex tech will remove for you from physical intimacy? I mean, I I think for me, physical intimacy is already something that I don't get a lot of outside of having my attendant care workers touch me and having people that are required to touch me, touch me. And when I see a sex worker, it's, you know, pre-COVID, it was once every two or three weeks or once every month. And I I really look forward to that. It's getting more than I am on a regular basis. I know. This is... (laughs) That's kind of a... Does he do round trips? (laughs) 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 Do people to me? Oh, that wrong on a few levels, I think. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you guys are a comedy duo as well as starting a movement and building a company with products, okay? We're pretty hilarious. We are pretty hilarious. But so, so you know, I would see my sex worker once every two to three weeks, once every month maybe, and I would really look forward to those two hours where I could be super intimate and touch him and have him touch me. And so I guess... My thought was like, oh, I'm going to just be relegated to using a toy now. I guess I'm not going to have, you know, I guess I'm not going to have to have a person. And now having talked to you for like half an hour already, that seems silly that we've all just kind of talked about it. But that was what was in my head that, that, that people would just, even with our toy, it's like, would people just use the toy and then people go away, which sounds silly now, but that is a fear that I think a lot of disabled people have is like, I'm not going to get that Mm. touch that I crave so much because now there's a toy that I can access. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we know that like the intention is not to replace it. It's, it's, you know, toys, no doubt can be pleasurable, can give you orgasms, but it's, you know, when we think about intimacy, there's so much more than just the physical that that brings, you know, there's the connected experience, there's the mental, like intellectual sparring intimacy, there's the emotional side of that. And, you know, some might even say the spiritual side of that. So intimacy, when we're talking about sex work, is just so much more than what a sex toy can provide that um, just like we're finding out in COVID that robots can't replace humans, um, you know, that, that, that isn't the case, I think, for sex tech being a replacement and framing it as something that's additive to your sex life or an enhancement, that's, that feels much better. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope you agree. I do agree. I hope I I'm do. right. Hey, Andrew, mm-hmm. just on that, yeah. how have you, what kind of things have you found to start to replace the, the sex worker coming in two or three times mm. like every few weeks? What have you sort of found to get in and around that and give you that I sense? mean, I watch a lot of porn. <laughs> I watch a lot of, um, I talk with my sex worker a lot. We'll text occasionally, just be like, hey, how are you? How's your COVID life? Like, oh, here's, you know, we, we're flirty. So we'll flirt a little bit. So I still get that connection, which I think is more important than, <laughs> than like, oh, we're going to, here's, you know, we're, I'm going to send you a video of me drinking off. We, we like, we'll chat, we'll banter. And I like that because I know that when, when things start to ease and people feel safe again, I know we can jump right back into that relationship we had. And so it's been forever and it sucks, but we still, we still access like, oh, I think, I think you look hot today that kind of banter mm-hmm. so that's that's nice have you seen any of the um 
like sex workers or your sex worker, have they changed their business model at all? Like outside of sort of texting, have they taken it more online, but still trying to get that sense of intimacy across or what have you seen in that space? Yeah, we've done Zoom together. We've had like, here's a sexy Zoom where I'm not wearing clothes and we're like talking about what might happen the next time we hook up. So it's very, it's very different because it's not, obviously it's not what I, what either of us would prefer, but it is what it is. And so, so I think knowing that, and I also take comfort in knowing that because COVID happened, he didn't just stop wanting to have me as a client. He was like, I still want to work with you. Like, I still value our time together. Let's figure out a way to make it work. So I really, I value that with him because I know that it proves to me that I'm, that I, that he cares about what he does and he cares about my needs as well as his. And so that's kind of nice. Yeah. That's cool. That is so cool. Have you, have you, um, have you gone to any online sex parties? Is that, is that in your. I heard about them. Or? I've heard about a bunch of them, but I'm always worried that Zoom's going to, the Zoom police are going to like come on and say that it's super <laughs> you can't do it i feel that zoom is like cracking down on that so really okay oh okay yeah that's a good point (laughs) i guess then you can just x out of it though that's yeah oops didn't know bye (laughs) (laughs) the wrong moment (laughs) i was at my board meeting whoopsie Uh, (laughs) yes i wear leathers to my board meeting what are you talking about of course (laughs) i'm a founder of the sex toy industry this is normal Yeah, it's interesting the the pe- talking to people that have done that. The behaviors that people will do online versus in person are actually so different for people. Probably that are, you know struggling to talk about sex or just like coming out a little bit. Um, people are much more inclined to do things online that they would never do um, at mm. home. Sort of like an extension of our imagination in a way, or this anonymity that we feel we have online. That yeah, it's, it's a to whole new world. Yeah, jump. We had one question, but I kind of want to jump, just jump into the bigger one because that's way more exciting for me. Um, I want to ask you. We just launched our prototype at Handy, and we gave you a chance to have a little sneak peek at it. And we released it the other day. We released our images of the prototype the other day, and we would love to know what you thought we'd love to know your reaction okay first of all my reaction was this is the future yay (laughs) it's like it's looks unlike anything else that exists out there today at least that i've seen and i was so just like blown away at the at the look of it and the innovation that i was like hang on a second this is this is so original um so i was really curious to know if we can talk a little bit about it just like i know that you guys did a ton of research around you know in-person research which i know is the best uh research because you know this is what we do in the hackathons go out and ask people in the street about it and you did that a lot more in depth but like did someone have a prototype of this like like a like pulled together bits and pieces from the house that they made that felt like uh, nobody that we um none of the people from the disabled community that we worked with had anything like that but and through working with rmit and um jude glover and the amazing team there they had a whole bunch of the first round of research that we did where we used andrew and a, and a female counterpart as case studies they had a whole bunch of different ways and different ideas of what the different toys could look like um and 
one of them, quite a few of them ended up taking some sort of like textile um, angle um, and being much different, even just when you consider it starting to look more like a pillow or like a textile. Um, and then a couple of them also leveraged this notion of like a pool, a pool noodle. Um, and there was just something. So I think for all of us, like, like centrally interesting about something that was actually like as long as a pool noodle and potentially could vibrate or do things that hit a number of your different sens sensory zones. Um, and then when we tested them with um, with the disabled community um, and on, on a broader scale and the occupational therapists as well. Um, originally that design was formed for feet was made first people with vulvas. Um, but as we started to test it with penis owners, they were like, well, yeah, but you just replaced the vibrating middle bit with something that's insertable, like a flashlight. And they're like, that'd be great. And then because of the flexible middle bit, like some of the calls, I, I was like, oh my God, I've just been, I've been educated because they were telling, like people were telling me about the different positions they could get it into and how partner play could come into the mix with it and like it was just like oh my god um so like the flexibility and um gave people so much versatility um that yeah but between occupational therapists and the disabled community it was the hands down front runner people are so creative and so imaginative creative. and the the fact that you can give them that and people come up with all these different use cases is also just like speaks to how clever it is and what I loved is like the flip on like you know sex toys are considered oh they're discreet and like we want to make them small or like this is the biggest sex toy I've ever seen <laughs> yeah and that was like something that we worried about right because we we're like well it's kind of big like you know how, how are we going to feel, feel about that and so but every person we asked, asked we're like yeah I'll just put it under the bed I'll put it in my I'll put it in my closet. Give me a pillowcase. It'll look like a pillow. I'll leave it on my bed. It'll be right there for me. So actually we thought that would be a big user barrier. And actually most of the people we talked to, if, if all of them actually were like, no, it's fine. If it does the trick, then that's okay. And I can cuddle mm -hmm. up next to it afterwards. That's so fun. And just think about like all the different things you can do with the packaging when it arrives. You know, it's almost like flipping this this taboo on its head in a way, you know, everyone harps on about we do discreet packaging and discreet delivery. Like the fact that it's so big already blows that out of the water. And then like you could do something really cool and interesting with, with this packaging when people arrive. So it's, it's much more, it is a gift. It's a celebration of like people's sexuality. And I just, I just love the kind of boldness of it that is already baked in there because it's you know that size and it's just so different so if you haven't seen it i'm sure every listener has like you have to go check it out if you haven't seen it you can go to any of our social medias it's up there uh that's handy facebook the that's handy twitter that's handy instagram it's all up there but then also our website www.that'shandy.co we'll have all the things um but so we're so happy we're so happy that you love it because we i remember when we heather and i were talking before the release we're like, oh my god is it good people gonna like it yeah. is it gonna be okay we were so nervous <laughs> yeah it's your baby so nervous and you've been working on it for so long and like it's such a tricky space any space and unveiling the first thing for the first time is tricky but because it was so different we we're like oh what if everyone's like no that's not going to work and even though you'd have all this research and the journey behind you to back it up and working with amazing people in the field it's still yeah it is like your baby and it's, it was really nerve-wracking um releasing those um the sort of first images last week 
how how has the response been? Because I, I know there's a unique challenge in trying to explain that on social or in a tweet or something is like, it's so yeah. different to being able to present that in person or with people, you know, like how has the reaction been? People have been really excited from what I've seen on the socials, not only on the handy socials, but on my socials. People have come to me and been like, wow, this is really great. We're really excited. We can't wait. Like, thank you for this. So, I mean, I think people are excited. I think they're still curious because so far we've just shown them a picture that's kind of like, okay, well, how does, how, how? But like, I think the fact that it's out there now and it's like we talked earlier about the, the importance of giving people options. Now they have another option. It's another option they can consider. If they want a small toy, they can do that. But if they want a huge, big, sexy stick to cuddle up with, this is, you know, we've given them another option. So that's kind of, I'm really excited by that. And I just, to know that, that just through conversations with Heather and I, this thing came to, like, this thing came to be, it's pretty cool. It's so cool. I mean, it's not just a product either. It's like the whole conversation that you've allowed to open up between all different communities is, is like the coolest thing for me to witness. Uh, only being around for four years and going, where, where is this company that should exist? And then boom. Can, I, I still can't believe you've, been all, you've only been in this space for four years. I feel like you've been doing it for a much longer time. Oh my God. So does my, <laughs> my own brain and body at this point. <laughs> Yeah, but lots more to come, right? I mean, yeah, when when do you think? Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say. Sometimes you forget, like you get so swept up in the in the um, helping the movement along and the part of things, and you get and then you're like, oh yeah, we're also creating this, these products. Like it's um, it can be all consuming. Either the products can be because there's so much opportunity there, but so too is the you know helping to move this movement along. When does this um? prototype product I, I i can't remember if it's in the post or you told me when is it actually going to be in people's hands yeah so uh aiming to hit um hands and, and feet and, and bodies and laps. <laughs> um shipping in may um but we'll be starting pre-sales around christmas time um because what what do you keep calling it andrew the stock stocking stuffer the, yeah <laughs> The best stocking, the best stocking stuffer out there, quite literally. And now that you've seen it, you know I'm right. <laughs> That's amazing. That is great promo yeah. for it. Oh my gosh! The yes. sexiest stocking stuffer of 2020. Hey, what up? Oh my god, Santa <laughs> delivers. Yeah, 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 he does. Because <laughs> um, one of the other things that, like, you know, in terms of just its size as well, somebody was saying the other day that during COVID, um, like. Uh, consumption and purchasing of things like body pillows has increased because mm. we're all like craving that extra sense of intimacy. I've been like trying to find the, the data to support that, but a lot of the feedback that we got on it was actually really positive around the fact that you could cuddle it and it sort of started to not replace the sense of intimacy, but just give you, as Andrew was saying, another option um, if you did want to have a bit of a snuggle or a cuddle. Um, I and we're love that. that. Yeah, it's like, did the pillow ever replace? you know a partner no but I still cuddle my pillow at night you know and and that that is so comforting um that's cool so would people go to sleep with it or or maybe they'd just have a nap a post-orgasmic nap but it's a little cuddle yeah okay (laughs) I mean or they could go to sleep with it and then when they wake up at two in the morning feeling kind of randy they're like oh it's right here I can just yeah yeah just go for round two (laughs) <laughs> yeah, put on some berry white and then there you go. 
just nod my head and off we are. <laughs> it's so cool. It, will it be customizable at all? Or this, I know this is probably like guys, you're like, I'm trying to do one, we're trying to do one product, but how much like, is this going to be, you know, the different textures and things customizable or is that in the next product? Like, do you, I'm, I bet you have a ton of ideas. We do. And like, um, we're still working through that level of, um, execution at this point. So right now the design team is working through that sort of prototype and that concept and figuring out probably all these, the answers to all these questions, what kind of material will it be? How customizable, mm. how much like of a modular component will it be? Um, all of those types of questions. How exactly will the toys talk to the chin control? Where will that chin control sit, et cetera? Um, and then we'll head into prototype and we'll start to test um, test all of those things, which I know we've already got so many people who are like, can I be, I'll be a tester. <laughs> so um, we'll keep everybody posted definitely when that part comes. But yeah, these are all great questions and they're things that we're definitely considering. And it's just, yeah, how, what can we pull off as a 1.0? And then the things that we think are really great, then that might be in the next, um, the next release. Gotcha. So exciting. Yeah. Um, this has been an awesome interview. We love sitting down with you and it's so nice to, I've, I've known about you in the space for a couple of years now, but I didn't, we never spoke. I just saw yeah. future sex everywhere. So it's, <laughs> it's nice to finally sit down with you and like say hello. Um, and we're so, we're so happy that you like the product and that you had all those questions and keeping us on our toes. Um, yeah, you're like, it's my podcast. Why are you asking questions? <laughs> I think. Let's just turn the tables. <laughs> no, it's been so good. Did you have any final questions about disability that as somebody working in the space who doesn't identify as disabled that I could answer for you or or? Yeah, well, you know, I work on the future of sex and I think, you know, we always ask about like, what does the future of sex look like? And I want to know from your perspective, like, you, you know, you, you are now in the sex tech space, like what does the future of sex look like for the disabled community? That's, that's, a, that's so funny you put that question because that's literally the question we had for you before we asked you about our prototype. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> you first <laughs> um that's a great i mean a bunch of handy products no but like yeah but yeah. but i think you know it it looks like we need to we need to include them more they need to be they need to be part of the process from the ground up they need to be part of design teams they need to be we need to stop seeing sex and disability as taboo first. Let's start there before we even get to the tech stuff. Let's get to the organic problem of you don't think someone with a disability is sexual. Let's start there first. And then, then we can talk about the sex robots and like the cool VR stuff. Once, we, once we've all come to a consensus that, hey, disabled people deserve this first. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of depressing that it's taken the disability rights movement started, you know, started more than 30 years ago but was solidified in the u.s 30 years ago this year it's really kind of sad that our sexualities have been still forgotten in all that so if we start looking at you know sex and disability as something that is a right first then we can go further in the future and figure out how how sex tech can be involved but i think we have to start there but yeah that's what i think i think you that's thanks for answering <laughs> My question, which is your question. <laughs> um, the, the, the question that no one has the answer to. 
well, yeah, that's the thing. We never know the answer to the future, but I think you're right. And speaking to you guys when we did the Future of Sex podcast and Katie as well, who's, you know, helping author the book that you've written, opening people's eyes up to the experience of the disabled community and sex is there are so many myths that need to be busted about sex. You mm-hmm. raised one of like yep. disabled people can't have sex. The other one is like disabled people are hypersexual and it's like, and then as Katie told me, which I was just horrified is the amount of people that come with this, the most ridiculous questions on dating apps or think, you know, to your point about let's learn about this in VR or somewhere else before asking someone, does your dick work? Um, (laughs) It's just like phenomenal. And I think there is a lot of work in the conversation in the changing the conversation, like the, as you say, forget about the robots. Let's talk about like, disability and sex in a normal way so everyone gets on the same page first yeah and it's not i don't think it's changing the conversation i think it's starting the conversation from scratch with a disabled person and disabled people at the forefront saying okay it's not the able-bodied person asking the rude question in the elevator that's the conversation starter it's the disabled person saying hey guess what i want to get off today can you can how do i do that can you help me? How to like the disabled person leading the charge, so that if the non-disabled person does ask uh, a question that may be deemed insensitive, the disabled person can guide them through that. Because I don't think the insensitive questions make the non-disabled person a bad person or an ableist or any of those things. I think it it means that they need more education, and and we should be hiring disabled sex educators. Cough cough, hire me um, to do that because I think. People just have questions and I love using my platform to help answer them. That's so right. And that is, that is a great like insight is we need to put people in organizations at the top of the organizations or as product designers and the innovators and see more of them in the industry, in the business of building companies. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I'm so proud of what we've done. And when Heather said, you know, Heather and I were talking and Heather was like, what do you want your title to be? What if we called you chief disability officer? And we looked around and there was nothing like that out there. Mm. And so we grabbed that title and said, great, this is what you'll be for the company. And it's really awesome because it's one of the first times I've seen where disability was in the title of someone's job. Awesome. And then in the title of someone's job who's at the top. So maybe the future looks like more CDOs, as you are, um, in in other sex tech companies. Like maybe it's not just a handy and a specialised niche company, but like the biggest sex toy companies in the world, which you'll be a part of, <laughs> is and, you know, hiring. And other CDOs in other just companies, period, whether it's sex tech mm-hmm. or otherwise, just totally. having having that that person as the point person to be like, okay, did does this language look look squidgy to you? Does this look appropriate? How do we do it? Like that's that's part of what I do in my job, and I love that part because I get to educate a group of people that want to learn, that want to be, that want to try to try to stamp out the ableism that a lot of us deal with, but they don't have all the answers. So I can, and neither do I, but I can guide them through my lived experience, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, can I ask one more question? Of course. So 
I feel like I'm get, getting my podcast on, but like as an able-bodied person, like, so if they can't get access, direct access to you, Andrew, like where does one start with learning about this topic? That's a great question because it's, there's so many options. I mean, you could just Google it, but the fear of Googling it is you get everything within 0.2 seconds and not everything is, not everything is valid or correct. And a lot of stuff is super ableist. I think you, Oh, that's such a, it's such a loaded question because I don't know if I know the answer. Um, mm-hmm. Listen to your podcast. The, yeah, listen to Disability After Dark. Over 200 episodes of me talking. But there are resources like um, The Ultimate Guide to Sex and Disability. It's about 20 years old. It needs some work. But it's a great, it's a great primer on, on the, the disabled body and sexuality. So that's a great start. Um, just go on, really, go on Disability Twitter and type in hashtag disability and a whole bunch of activists will come up and then you can choose what stream of activism or disability activism you want to learn about and they're there for you so that's a really cool tip yeah the internet's really given us a lot of a lot of front-facing people who are who are in this space some of them you may agree with some of them you may disagree with but they're there for you to to glean from if you choose to awesome i'm gonna do that then Amazing. All right. And you, Andrew, you can send through some um, some people as well. We can put them in the yeah. show notes too. Some of the De- activists. Definitely, for sure. Yeah. Um, and a whole bunch of them will be in our book as well. <laughs> there you go. Well, my handy book comes out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, it's amazing. Look, I talked to Katie and I was just so blown away between our conversation and Katie about the experience and for her experience, you know, becoming uh you know disabled during her 20s and what that felt like and sex um and the whole experience it, those stories are so eye-opening and so insightful and the the magic that you guys have created is allowing people to be vulnerable enough to tell those stories and to tell them so that other people can access yes. them so i can't wait for the book i'm Yay. so for the book we, um, we're so our, we will send you the first chapter as a pre as a sneaky pre-read um so you can yes. see it because it's um, just going through design now. So we'll have those to share as a, as a pre-read. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Get your tissues ready Mm. (laughs) for all the reasons, but it's like a total roller coaster of like joy and jubilance and heartache and raw emotion. And it leaves you, takes you on a real roller coaster, but leaves you feeling in a good place. Can't wait. This was super fantastic we could sit for another two hours and have a whole but nobody wants to listen to that so so um how can people follow your work how can they support you how can they follow you on the socials how do they do, how do, they do all that yeah uh future of sex podcast season two is coming out in a week and a half so i don't know it might be out by the time this eps out um and you guys feature on it we're doing a whole bunch of cool stuff from sex and disability to sex in space to covid and dating there's a bunch of fun stuff there so future of sex podcast futureofsex.org and if you're interested in getting into sex tech i run sextechschool.com and we take you on a six-week journey with some amazing speakers like heather and andrew um just opening your eyes to what sex tech actually is yeah, and it sounds like we need more people with disabilities in the space, thinking about it, Please. getting into the industry. Um, so, yeah, for the listeners out there um, who are keen and interested, get into it. Come on in. Yeah. 
All right. Well, this has been really fun. And I agree. I, and and uh, this has been episode six of the Handicast, and we're so happy to have you on today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. This was a really fun discussion to sit down with Briny and talk about all this stuff. And it really gave Heather and I some different perspectives and ways to think about the way we want our sex tech to connect with our the end user and what it really means for them and how it can be so much more than just a toy. How it can actually connect us to our own humanity as people by using this kind of technology. And how it can bring out different hues of intimacy. And it was really, really fun to sit with her and have a laugh and really getting her to look at disability and sex tech in a different way too was really fun so we hope you enjoyed handicast six if you want to be a part of the handicast and talk to us about your experiences with sex disability and sex toys be sure to email us at get in touch at that's handy.co or you can email me directly at andrew at that's handy.co and let me know you want to be a part of the handicast and we'll find a way to get to get you booked in but we'd love to hear about your experiences too and sit down with you as part of the handicast so be in touch also if you want to follow what's going on with handy you can follow us at www.thatshandy t-h-a-t-s-h-a-n-d-i dot co and you can follow us on all social media at that's handy with an i on twitter instagram and facebook so be sure to follow us there Thanks, friends. Thanks for listening to The Handicast. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020